And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West in the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is September the 7th, 250th day of the year. And 15 days remain till this year is over with. And we'll start on a new one. All the days and national days you all asked me to announce. It's National Beer Lovers Day. Brazil Independence Day. Buy a Book Day. Fluidra International Pool Pro Day. Google Commemorative Day. Grandma Moses Day. Indigenous Literacy Day. International Day of Clean Air. International Day of Clean Air for Blue Skies. National Acorn Squash Day. National Field of Love Day. National First Day of Peel Season. National Grateful Patient Day. National Neither Snow Nor Rain Day. National New Hampshire Day. National Regina Day. National Salami Day. National Tatiana Day. Superhuman Day, Texas Energy Savings Day, and World Duchina Awareness Day. Well, all that having been said, in the year 70 AD, a Roman army under Titus occupies and plunders Jerusalem. 878, Louis the Stammerer is crowned as King of West Francia by Pope John VIII. 1159, Pope Alexander III is chosen. 1191, Third Crusade, Battle of Arsuf. Richard I of England defeats Saladin at Arsuf. Uh, Richard I was also known as Richard the Lionhearted for those that uh, are a little challenged in their history. 1228, Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II lands in Accra, Israel, and starts the Sixth Crusade. Results in the peaceful restoration of the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Yes, there were several uh, what were known as Latin kingdoms, one of which was Jerusalem, and that is still the hereditary title in uh, European heraldry. 1303, Guillaume de Nogaret takes Pope Boniface VIII prisoner on behalf of Philip IV of France. 1571, Thomas Howard, 4th Duke of Norfolk, is arrested for his role in the Rodolphe plot to assassinate Queen Elizabeth I of England and replace Wood Mary, Queen of Scots, who was Mary's, uh, was her cousin. 1620, town of Coca-Cola, is founded by King Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden. Uh, 1630, the city of Boston, Massachusetts, is founded in North America. This day in 1652, around uh, 15,000 Han farmers and militia rebel against Dutch rule on Taiwan. 1695, Henry Every perpetuates one of the most profitable pirate um, raids in history with the capture of the Grand Mogul ship Ganji Swali. Response Emperor Aurangzeb threatens to end all English trading to India. 
more of the Spanish succession. Seizure Turin ends, leading to the withdrawal of French forces from northern Italy. 1764, election of Stanislas August Poniatowski as the last ruler of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. 1776, according to American colonial reports, Ezra Lee makes the world's first submarine attack on, in the Turtle, attempting to attach a time bomb to the hull of the HMS Eagle in New York Harbor. Now, interestingly enough, the British do not have any records about this attack. But maybe they didn't know what happened. 1778, American Revolutionary War. France invades Dominica and the British West Indies before Britain is even aware of France's involvement in the war. 1812, French invasion of Russia. Battle of Borodino, the bloodiest battle of the Napoleonic Wars, is fought near Moscow and results in a French victory. 1818, Carl III of Sweden, Norway, is crowned King of Norway in Trondheim. 1822, Dom Pedro I declares Brazil independent from Portugal on the shores of the Iparanga Brook in uh, Sao Paulo. He was the uh, emperor of uh, Brazil. 1856, the semi-canal is inaugurated. 1857, Mountain Meadows Massacre. Mormon settlers slaughter most members of a peaceful immigrant wagon train. 1860, Unification of Italy. Giuseppe Garibaldi enters Naples. 1863, American Civil War. Union troops under Quincy Gilmore capture Fort Wagner and Morris Island after a seven-week siege. <coughs> 1864, American Civil War. Atlanta's evacuated on orders of Union General William Tecumseh Sherman. 1876, in Northfield, Minnesota, Jesse James and a James Younger gang attempt to rob the ba town's bank, but uh, armed citizens drive them off. 1901, the Boxer Rebellion in the Qing Dynasty, that's modern-day China, officially ends with the signing of the Boxer Protocol. 1903, the Ottoman Empire launches a counteroffensive against the Stranza Commune, which dissolves. 1906, Alberto Santos Dumont flies his 14 BIS aircraft at uh, Bagatelle, France, successfully for the first time. 1907, Cooner Lines RMS Lusitania set sail on an agent voyage from Liverpool, England, and New York City. 1909, Eugène Lefebvre crashes a new French-built Wright biplane during a test flight at uh, Juvisy, south of Paris, becoming the first aviator in the world uh, Lose his life piloting a powered heavier than air aircraft. 1911, French poet Guillaume Apollinaire was arrested and put in jail on suspicion of stealing the Mona Lisa from the Louvre Museum. 1916, federal employees win the right to workers' compensation by Federal Employers' Liability Act. 1922, newly purchased Savonia flying boats crash in the Swiss Alps en route to Finland, where they were to serve with the Finnish Air Force. Both crews were killed. 1921, Atlantic City, New Jersey, the first Miss American pageant, a two-day event, is held. 
Also in 1921, the Legion of Mary, the largest apostolic organization of lay people in the Catholic Church, is founded in Dublin, Ireland. 1923, the International Criminal Police Organization, or Interpol, is formed on this date. On this date, 1927, the first fully electronic television system was achieved by Philo Farnsworth. 1929, the steamer Kuru capsizes and sinks on Lake Nasajavi near Tampere in Finland. 136 lives are lost. 1932, the Battle of Bukhiron, the first major battle of the Chaco War, commences. For those who are not familiar with the Chaco War, fought in 1932 to 1935 between Bolivia and Paraguay over the control of the northern part of the Gran Chaco region, which was uh, thought to be rich in oil. It's also uh, referred to as La Guerra de la Sed, or Spanish for the War of Thirst, and Literary circle since it was fought in the semi-arid Chaco. Bloodiest interstate military conflict fought in South America in the 20th century. Fought between two of the poorest countries, interestingly enough, both of which had lost territory to neighbors in the 19th century wars. Well, nineteen thirty-six, the last Thalassina, carnivorous marsupial. By the name of Benjamin, died alone in its cage in the Hobart Zoo in Tasmania. 1940, Romania returned southern to Beruja, to Bulgaria, under the Treaty of Guayavaya. 1940, also saw World War II, the German Luftwaffe begins the Blitz, bombing London and other British cities for over 50 consecutive nights. 1942, also in World War II, Japanese Marines are forced to withdraw during the Battle of Milne Bay. 1943, a fire in the Gulf Hotel in Houston killed 55 people. Also in 1943, World War II, the German 17th Army begins its evacuation of the Kuban Bridgehead in uh, southern Russia. Moves across the Strait of Kursk to the Crimea. 1945, World War II, Japanese forces on Wake Island, which they'd held since December 41, surrendered to U.S. Marines. Also in 1945, the Berlin Victory Parade of 45 is held. 1953, Nikita Khrushchev is elected first secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. He's the man that banged his shoes on the table and said, we will bury you. Well, he's been buried. 1963, the Pro Football Hall of Fame opens in Canton, Ohio with 17 charter members. 1965, during an Indo-Pakistani war, China announces that it will reinforce its troops on the Indian border. 1965, the Vietnam War, the follow-up to August Operation Starlight, U.S. Marines and South Vietnamese forces initiate uh, Operation Piranha on the uh, Bantangan Peninsula. 1970, fighting begins between Arab guerrillas and government forces in Jordan. 1970, Vietnam TV is established. 1977, the Torrios-Carter treaties between Panama and the U.S. on the status of the Panama Canal are signed. U.S. Uh, agrees to transfer control of the canal to Panama at the end of the 20th century. 
That's another fine mess the peanut man got us into. 1977, a 300 meter tall CVK VRDT transmission tower. Barry, Ontario, Canada is hit by a light aircraft in the fog. Caused the tower to collapse, although everybody on board the aircraft was killed. 1978, while walking across Waterloo Bridge in London, Bulgarian dissident Georgi uh, Markov is assassinated by Bulgarian secret police agent uh, Francesco Gurlino by means of a ricin pellet fired from a specially designed umbrella. 1979, the Chrysler Corporation asked the U.S. government for $1.5 billion to avoid bankruptcy. 1984, <coughs> excuse me, an explosion on board a Maltese patrol boat disposing of illegal fireworks at sea off Gozo killed seven soldiers and policemen. 1986, Desmond Tutu becomes the first black man to lead the Anglican Diocese of uh, Cape Town. Also in 1986, Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet survives an assassination attempt by the FPMR. Uh, five of Pinochet's uh, bodyguards are killed. 1997, Maiden flight of the Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptor took place on this date. 1999, the 6.0 Athens earthquake affected the area with a maximum Mercalli intensity of 9, which is considered violent. Killed 143, injuring 8 to 6, 800 to 1,600, and left 50,000 people homeless. 2005. Egypt held its first ever multi-party presidential election. 2008, the U.S. government takes control of the two largest mortgage financing companies in the U.S., Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. 2010, Chinese fishing trawler collides with two Japanese Coast Guard patrol boats in disputed waters near Senkaku Islands. 2011, the locomotive Yaroslavi plane crash in Russia kills 43, including nearly the entire roster of the Lokomotiv Yaroslavi Continental Hockey League team. 2012, Canada officially cuts diplomatic ties with Iran by closing its embassy in Tehran, orders the expulsion of Iranian diplomats from Ottawa over nuclear plans and purported human rights abuses. 2017, an 8.2 2017 Chiapas earthquake strikes southern Mexico, kills at least 60. 2019 Ukrainian filmmaker Oleg Sentsov and 66 others released from a, a prisoner exchange between Ukraine and Russia. 2021 Bitcoin becomes legal tender in El Salvador. And in 2021, the National Unity Government of Myanmar declares a people's defensive war against the military junta during the Myanmar Civil War. Well, there are, of course, quite a number of other um, historical events we could enumerate, but I'm going to turn to a topic that I've been asked to talk about, and that's more unsolved mysteries.
Apparently, y'all can't get enough of them. Well, there are many who just live on unsolved mystery. Humans love mysteries because we're naturally curious, for one, driven to seek information, find answers, solve problems, whether they exist or not. We like to puzzle over strange facts, weird scenarios, and impossible feats. We can't stop theorizing about the strategies and motivations and thinking that spurred a decisive action or sparked a creation of some sort. In short, it appears that humans love the unknown. So what could be more satisfying than delving into the greatest mysteries our civilization has to offer? Ancient conundrums so profoundly perplexing and bizarrely unsettling they've kept their secrets for thousands of years. So we're going to talk about a number of them. Some of the most enduring, bewildering, captivating mysteries the world has to offer. We'll marvel at mysterious objects, ponder perplexing people, search for secret places, crack cryptic codes, and look for lost treasure. I spent some time being an amateur treasure hunter in several different countries. We'll circle the globe in search of answers, stopping in places like uh, Egypt and Greece and Italy and Turkey and Israel and England and China. You know, scholars have devoted entire careers to finding answers to some of these mysteries, searching through the rubble of history and leveraging tiny scraps of clues for insights into the the art, the mathematics, the astronomy, engineering, politics, religion, superstitions, and survival strategies strategies of our ancestors. Well, hopefully when we finish, you'll know much more than you thought possible about the world that uh, had brought us to today. Now let's talk about to start out with, ancient relics from a different, distant age that still fascinates us today. For impossibly smooth spears to improbably complex mechanisms, ancient artifacts have given rise to some intriguing and enduring mysteries through the ages. Most of what civilizations leave behind doesn't last which, of course, leaves historians and scientists trying to extrapolate as best they can answers from whatever survives. And whether it's a tomb treasure crafted from space minerals, a set of gears thousands of years ahead of its time, or an entire field or bay full of unexpected, unexplainable stone jars or spears, ancient relics are as fascinating today as the day we first found them. So we're going to talk about some of the most enigmatic mysteries from locations around the world. Some from as far back as 30,000 years. Then we'll look at the present day search for answers to what these long lost treasures were actually used for. Now there's long been a theory held by some that ancient Romans made it to South America. Now, I will say there's evidence there was a Roman colony in um, 
the United States. You know, in the still dark depths of uh, the deepest natural bay in the world, as a Meshrut suggests South America may have been visited by ancient Europeans long before Columbus. This area is home to over 130 islands and a landscape that, uh, where the sea and the sand and the city sit in the shadows of mountains. Brazil's Guanabara Bay was discovered by European explorers in 1502. When ships flying the Portuguese flag entered that bay, but in 1976, local lumpstermen found something on the sea floor that suggests a much earlier visit by a different set of Europeans to prolific and, and controversial American marine archaeologist Robert Marks. I've read a lot of his work. He's good. Large quantities of ancient jars called amphorae. Covered in barnacles and undisturbed for eons, were popping up in the underwater world just 15 miles off the coast of Guanabara Bay. These large handled jars were the steamer trunks of the ancient world, primarily used by ancient Greeks, Phoenicians, and Romans. They carried essential commodities such as water and grain and wine and, or even oil during sea voyages. When Marx explored a site in the early 80s, he Decided these jars were of Roman origin and suggested uh, this was proof that ancient explorers had predated the celebrated Portuguese arrival by over a thousand years. Now, of course, this challenge to Brazilian and New World history didn't sit well with a lot of folks, and Marx believed uh, what followed was a cover up by the Brazilian government. He accused the government of piling silt on top of the ancient ruins to bury the jars along with their stories and their secrets. Brazil, of course, denied the charge and countered that Marx was an unreliable source, alleging that he stole and sold artifacts illegally. However, Brazil mysteriously banned underwater explorations in the bay altogether after that, denying access to all archaeologists, not just to Marx. And because of this, many believe Brazil's uh, history may be yet need to be uh, rewritten. And the keys to solving the, the secret is buried in Amphorae, at the bottom of the bay, waiting to be discovered one day. You know, part of the problem is side, um, historians especially do not like to be proven wrong. They will lie, they will cheat, they will steal to keep from being proven wrong. Well, let's talk about some more jars. These come from the country of Laos. They're massive and they're unexplained. In the remote highlands of Laos, a landmark country in Southeast Asia, an enduring mystery dots the plains in the form of ancient stone jars. And archaeologists have dated these jars to approximately 1,500 to 3,000 years ago. And it found them at over 100 locations in groups ranging from 1 to 400. At the Subscura Comprehensive Database of Geographic-Related Information says the jars range in height from about 3 feet to over 10 feet and weigh up to 14 tons each. 
In other words, each individual jar weighs as much as 28 grand pianos or eight cars. And there are literally thousands of them. Now, there are no answers yet about who made the jars, what their purpose was, or why there were so many of them in such remote, mountainous locations. But various theories abound, of course. Some have retained enough detail near their hollow openings to suggest they likely had lids, leading some to speculate they were ancient vessels for capturing water during monsoon season or storing food or fermenting wine. According to ancient origins, the the fermenting wine idea is in keeping with a local legend that attributes the jars to a race of giants whose uh, king needed somewhere to store his rice wine. Other signs, though, including nearby the burial sites, indicate they may instead have been part of an elaborate funeral process. Well, you can go to Laos today and see the jars, but exploring that country is a little bit problematic due to the unexploded military munitions. So you definitely need to get a tour guide and stick to the roads. And do a lot of research first. Read up on the plane of jars, as it's called. Well, let's go back to Costa Rica and talk about the stone spears. You know, it's a mesmerizing sight, the smooth spears of Costa Rica. They're considered the most perfectly shaped stone spears to have survived from any ancient historical period. Dated to approximately 800 to 1500 A.D., these nearly perfect round stone balls range from one inch to seven feet in diameter. The largest weighs about 16 tons, making this single spear equivalent to the weight of six and a half stone blocks from Egypt's Giza Pyramid. Origin and purpose of these stones is a complete mystery. Though some archaeologists feel confident the region's early inhabitants made them and believe they may have played a role in astronomical mapping or status signaling. But the stone's sheer size, weight, and perfections have led many to speculate on uh, some truly wild theories. Historic Mysteries, a website devoted to archaeological history and Unexplained phenomena suggest that while some believe the stones are brought to earth by aliens, others are of the uh, view they have a connection with the lost continent of Atlantis. These uh, spears were discovered in the modern era, in the 20s and 30s, when the land was cleared for a banana plantation. Unfortunately, uh, many of the 300 stones were damaged, moved, or even sold off. Only one remaining area containing stones unmoved from their original locations and there's no more answers there than they are anyplace else well what would you do if you went to an ancient site and found a battery a working battery well in 1938, German archaeologist by the name of Wilhelm Koenig did exactly that. Found a 2,000-year-old clay jar, but not just any jar. This one's believed by many to be an ancient prototype for a battery. It's got a stopper made of asphalt, as the 
Smith College History of Science Museum of Ancient Inventions explains, and sticking through the asphalt is an iron rod surrounded by a copper cylinder. When you fill it up with vinegar or any other type of electrolytic uh, solution, the jar produces one and a half, excuse me, 1.1 volts of electricity. Now, the battery as we know it wasn't invented until 1800. So what purpose might an ancient battery have served? I mean, it was found in Baghdad, and they're not known for anything that would require electricity at that point in time. Discovery Network suggested practical uses could include medical purposes, electroplating, or using it for a religious or a magic trick in which the batteries placed inside a religious statue that would emit a light buzz. Well, like all great ancient mysteries, the battery theory is plenty of vocal detractors, and there's intrigues around Koenig himself, who apparently had no uh, ancient writings or evidence on which to base his theory before, according to the Discovery Networks, he published a paper on the battery in 1938. He called it a galvanic element from the Parthenian period in a German journal called Research and Progress. There's always going to be somebody is going to object to having their sacred ox gourd. And that is certainly something to keep in mind. Well, in addition, there are quite a number of uh, very well-known treasures that if you could find one of them, you'd be wealthier than Midas. One of the best known is, of course, the, the Holy Grail a sacred vessel that's been carefully saved and tragically lost. There's a number of stories about where it might be, but... <clears throat> now, there are mysteries and there are enduring legends. So which is the Holy Grail? Steeped in religious and mythical symbolism for 2,000 years. Oh, the Grail is the king of quest, ubiquitous in pop culture lore. The Grail represents human desires for salvation and a healing. The search represents uh, our lust for heroic adventure and romance. So, the question becomes, what is the Holy Grail? Why has it stoked our collective interest for so long, and where might it be? And an even more basic question is, does it really exist? In Christianity, Holy Grail, <coughs> excuse me, okay, now that my sneezing jag is over, what is the Holy Grail? In Christianity, it's the chalice or the cup believed to have been used by Jesus during the Last Supper. Now, this was his final meal on the night before his crucifixion. And the bread and wine ceremony described in the Bible gave rise to the Christian practice of receiving the Eucharist or ingesting bread and wine as the body and blood of Christ. It's known as the Lord's Supper in the church where I grew up. Christians also believe that Joseph of Arimathema collected Jesus' literal blood in the chalice after the crucifixion. And as the History Channel pointed out, because of the importance of Jesus' crucifixion and the Eucharist in Christian beliefs, the 
search for the grail became the holiest of quests as it signified the pursuit of union with God. Now, despite the grail's fame, according to BBC travel stories surrounding the, the grail, nobody's entirely sure where it is or whether it ever even existed. In Europe alone, there have been more than 200 goblets believed to be the grail at various points in time. The stories that persist around these goblets are literal, literally thrillers, according to the History Channel. Some claim the cup rests in the sewers of Jerusalem. Others believe the medieval Knights Templar took the goblet from Jerusalem during the Crusades and eventually hid it away in New World locations ranging from Minnesota to Maryland to Nova Scotia. Some theorize it's even hidden inside Fort Knox. Now, I doubt there's much in Fort Knox, but then again, other claims of authentic grails come from places as divergent as southern Turkey and Toledo, Ohio. According to the History Channel, the contender from Turkey known as the Antioch Chalice was once taken so seriously at toured museum such as the Louvre in Paris, and went on display in the 1933-1934 Wars Fire in Chicago. Until more precise dating ruled it out altogether, you can still see this chalice in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Interestingly enough, while the core idea of this perpetual quest for the Grail was born of a um, chalice, the the tales around it are many and creative, and some reimagining the Holy Grail in other forms. According to Simply Catholic, an online uh, publication of publisher OSV, tales have portrayed the artifact as a stone, a gem, and even a platter, as well as a chalice, and many of these stories didn't spring up to the 12th and 13th century. New World Encyclopedia notes that some of the tales during the period have roots in pre-Christian folklore as well, and that most scholars believe that uh, while the central theme of the Grail is Christian, even when not explicitly religious, uh, much of the setting and imagery of the early romance is drawn from Celtic material. And of course, the most iconic tale of the quest for the Holy Grail is the story of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Simply uh, Catholic uh, explains how this classic tale of chivalry and swords is built around the pursuit of the Holy Grail. Joseph of Arimathema, said to have collected Jesus' blood in the chalice, as I mentioned earlier, first took the chalice to Europe, stopping in France, but ultimately settling in Glastonbury, England. This latter uh, place, according to legend, is where King Arthur and Queen, um, Queen Guinevere are buried. Marking an intersection between Christian roots and the medieval tale. It's a moral quest for a real-world object that um, connects humanity with salvation. The uh, Holy Grail of Arturian legend becomes the great object of a, severe, a chivalric quest. As the knights at the round table set out to find the chalice and the holy blood and fail or succeed according to their Puritan holiness, according to Simply Catholic. Classic adventure movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, is a 
modern reimagining of the quest for the Holy Grail, capturing the spirit of romance and uh, intrigue and excitement surrounding this uh, enduring mystery. Notably, the Grail is portrayed in the movie as far less opulent and ornate than uh, most other tales and medieval art conceived it to be. I mean, it was said to be the cup of a carpenter. Is he going to be gem-encrusted? You know, two historians proffered the most recent claims surrounding the identity and location of the Holy Grail, claiming the Grail's in Spain. History Channel said, uh, after an intensive historical investigation, research is concluding a chalice given to Spain in the early 11th century to honor King Ferdinand the first daughter known as the Chalice of the Infanta uh, Donna Uraca is the elusive Holy Grail. And if they're right, the Grail, currently housed in the Basilica of San Isidro, has been uh, in their possession for a thousand years without the world knowing anything about it. But don't put away your traveling shoes just yet, folks. BBC Travel explains yet another chalice, supposed to be the Grail, is housed in the Valencia Cathedral. The excitement around it has been drawn an influx of visitors to Valencia, but as with prior attempts to identify the Holy Grail, the claim involves many moving pieces and obscure links, inviting skepticism. The fact is, it may or may not be possible to prove in the individual cup is the Holy Grail after all this time. And whether it's been sitting under our noses for a century or hadn't been found yet, the elusive Holy Grail and the quest surely don't give up its grip on our imagination anytime soon. You know, one of the most amusing searches came from uh, the Mighty Python series. While tales of the quest of the Holy Grail have persisted for more than a thousand years, none have reimagined the quest quite like Mighty Python and the Holy Grail. This 1975 movie classic written by and starring members of the British comedy troupe Mighty Python is a retelling of the tale of King Arthur and Knights at a Round Table. It includes even a killer rabbit. It lampoons the quest for the Holy Grail as well as tackling society and politics and human nature in general. The global fan base that has spanned generations, the, this low-budget film is considered by many to be one of the funniest ever made. Now, it doesn't take the quest, the Catholic Church, or even movie-making seriously, and decidedly it's not going to advance your understanding of the quest for the Holy Grail in any way, but it will make you laugh. You can check out the well-received stage adaptation called Mighty Python's uh, Spamalot, which uh, turns the whole farce into uh, quite a hilarious musical. Well, it's also interesting... To address a few other little mysteries while along the way. What happens when you find an oop artifact? What is an oop artifact, you may ask? One that's out of place in time. The Antikythera mechanism is one. Now, we've always thought, at least since the 40s, we were the first humans to develop computers, right? Well, of course, unless the ancient Greeks beat us to the punch for more than 2,000 years. 
Grecian diver exploring a shipwreck off the coast of a small island in 1901 discovered a badly corroded, improbably complex metal object. It's been studied extensively. Uh, the Antikythera mechanism defies explanation. Scientific American called it an extraordinary object that's befuddled historians and scientists more than 120 years. It's got 82 parts, contains intricate, complex, modern-style bronze gears, and since its discovery, researchers have used increasingly advanced techniques for analyzing the object's uh, inner working, which, according to a Greek reporter, includes such things as bearings and pillars and a block and a mysterious disc, along which is an extraordinary intricate 63-tooth gear and a plate modern tech has also uh, enabled um, researchers to piece together and decode Greek inscriptions on the interior of the piece, which relate to astronomy. If you go to the Live Science website, it says researchers found evidence suggesting the mechanism dated between 178 and 204 B.C. was influenced by astronomical theories from ancient Babylon and Greece and mathematics from the Platonic Academy, which was founded by Plato. And though there's a consensus the mechanism was probably used to make astronomical calculations concerning the sun, moon, the, the planets, researchers still don't know who created this ingenious computing device. And if it is a computer, is most scientists say. Where'd it come from? Well, let's go to the King Tut for our next mystery. His body shielded an iron knife that should not, by any stretch of the imagination, exist. Now, layer upon layers of Interesting mysteries surround the life and death of Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun, and they've captivated the world's attention ever since the tomb was first unearthed in Egypt in 1922. But this particular um, story, if you will, surprised even the archaeologist. As Forbes described it, researchers unwrapping the mummified ancient boy king made a surprising discovery a 34-centimeter-long dagger made of iron and decorated with gold. But that may not sound like much. The King Tut reigned from 1332 B.C. to 1323 B.C., a full 150 years before the Iron Age began, the period in human history where we started making tools and weapons out of iron. And that's just the beginning. As explained by the Astronomy Magazine website, an analysis of the blade's chemical composition revealed it has a nickel content consistent with space rock. In support of this idea, the blade shows signs of Widmanstaten patterns, a phenomenon Forbes calls a unique pattern of intergrown metallic minerals found only in meteorites. One current theory suggests the blade was a wedding gift from the king of Mitanni in Anatolia. That's modern-day Turkey, folks. Tutut's grandfather, Amenhotep III, was fashioned from a meteorite that fell in that area. Live science warns that there is currently no scientific consensus 
You know, the researchers think the dagger's two origins and purpose are still shrouded in mystery. But no matter how you look at it, just like the computer they found off the coast of Greece, this dagger shouldn't exist either. Well, you know, according to the Collector, a scholarly website devoted to the humanities, the Venus figurines are among the oldest three-dimensional representations of human form that have yet been discovered. These tiny sculptures of naked, full-bodied women with indiscernible facial features date from as far back as 30,000 years ago. Long believed to represent some kind of archetype of fertility or beauty, the Venus figurines have inspired numerous origin theories. Recent research theorizes they may have been talismans of survival during a period of massive climate change. SciTech Daily, an online resource devoted to science and technology, explains that researchers base this theory on a strange statistical anomaly. The Venus figurines date to the time of the last ice age in Europe, and size of the figurines correlate with the availability of food sources where they were found. Science Alert offers other details. Figurines are less obese as uh, distance from the glaciers increases. The body size proportions were uh, largest when the glaciers were advancing whereas obesity decreased when the climate warmed and the glaciers retreated. Interestingly, researchers are conflicted as to what it all means. Some believe these figurines were meant to demonstrate the ideal body size for carrying a successful pregnancy in times of food scarcity. Others theorize the figurines may have been carried or worn as talismans in the hopes of imbuing pregnant women with the energy they need to survive. Of course, their true purpose may never be known. Well, if you want to talk about some gadgets that still stump historians, let's talk about the Roman Empire. How about the uh, the dodecahedrons, made from copper, almost the size of a baseball? These curious Roman gadgets seem to have been quite common, although their purpose um, is anybody's guess. From the first discovery in 1739, more than a hundred of these handheld, 12-sided figures have been found, each one containing a hole in the center of each side with inconsistent diameters. Now, their existence seems uh, to date to about 1,600 years ago, live science explains that uh, these estimates are based on the soil the dodecahedrons were found in rather than the metal itself, which is hard to pin to a specific period. Historic Mysteries, a website devoted to archaeology, history, and unexplained mysteries, explains that uh, scholars of various subjects have examined these objects and offer wildly divergent theories as to their use. Artifacts may have been some kind of astrological device or an astronomical or mathematical tool, a divination tool, a dice-type entertainment object, a candlestick holder, a knitting device, or a decorative uh, element. 
Life science even added a uh, few more. They could have been calendars, measuring instruments, devices for timing grain planning, or objects related to artillery. Well, whatever practical use they served, lost the time now. Leaving the Roman uh, dodecahedron as a persistent ancient enigma. Well, you know, another biblical uh, mystery revolves around the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this gilded chest that's supposed to have held the Ten Commandments has apparently been lost for all time. Now, mysterious objects do survive from antiquity, showing up to modernize as artifacts with few contextual clues, leaving us to speculate as to what they are, who made them, and why they were made. But once in a while, the opposite happens. We know exactly what an artifact is, we know who made it and what purpose it served. We just can't find it. Or confirm that it really existed at all. And such is the mystery of the Ark of the Covenant. Well documented object, which time seems to have erased. In a Judeo-Christian tradition founded on the stories and prophecies of the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was one of the holiest artifacts to ever have existed. Biblical story of the ark uh, tells how the prophet Moses led the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt before climbing Mount Sinai, communicating with God directly, and coming back with a pair of tablets engraved with the Ten Commandments. These were the ten laws that God wanted the Israelites to follow, including mainstays like thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. And though Moses dashed the stones on the ground and broke them after seeing the evidence of the people's sins, they the ark was built to keep the stone shard safe in. Now, ark is from the Latin arca, meaning chest, and a convenient, or excuse me, a covenant is an agreement. So the ark of the covenant was a chest built to house, transport, and protect the tablets containing the Ten Commandments, the agreements between God and the Israelites. The construction is described in the Bible, and as summarized by National Geographic, it would have been large, about the size of a 19th century seaman's chest made of gold-plated wood and topped with two large golden angels. It was carried using poles inserted through rings on its side. The ark served as a sacred symbol of mutual commitment between God and the Israelites. It would have been built about 3,000 years ago and jealously guarded by an unlocal line of religious leaders. But in spite of all that, today... There's no trace of it, though there is a story that the uh, the Templars managed to uh, obtain it. You know, after the Israelites left Mount uh, Sinai, biblical stories tell of the Ark's travels with them and its role in various miracles. One story, the Jordan River reportedly temporarily stopped flowing when priests carrying the Ark decided to cross the river. Other stories emphasize the notion that the the ark, or more specifically the, the covenant it contained, 
gave its bearers unstoppable military power. One such story, the Ark is captured by the Philistines, but without the faith of the Israelites, they couldn't control the Ark's powers and were soon afflicted with a number of vile diseases, forcing them to, to return the Ark to the Israelites. Still other stories declared anybody who dared touch the Ark or look inside it would suffer a horrible death. So all that being said, what happened to it? As Jastrow Geographic explains, eventually the Babylonian Empire conquered the Israelites about 600 B.C., and at that point the Ark vanished. Its fates remain completely unknown to this day. Now, some stories claim the Ark was hidden in Ethiopia before the Babylonian siege, and that it remains there today in the St. Mary of Zion Cathedral. Uh, one man says the church authorities... Uh, say only one man, the guardian of the Ark, is allowed to see it. That's according to National Geographic. And they've never permitted it to be studied for authenticity. Another claim described by National Geographic is that the Ark is hidden beneath a certain temple in Jerusalem. That's an untestable theory because that same site is home to the Dome of the Rock Shrine, which Islam holds sacred and presumably are never allowed to be dug up. Yeah, there's far more convoluted theory about the Ark's whereabouts as well. According to World History Encyclopedia, the story holds that the Ark was discovered in Jerusalem along with the Holy Grail by the Knights Templar. And this group of European adventurer knights were dedicated to the Catholic Church right up until its members were mass executed in 1307. Some knights were said to have escaped the tragic fate, fleeing to the U.S. with the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail informing the uh, the Masonic Order, protecting those artifacts somewhere in total secrecy. Well, even if the Ark is eventually found, there's no practical way to determine whether it's the one described in the Bible. We're talking about things at the crossroads between myth and reality, according to National Geographic. Uh, Society fellow Fred uh, Heibert I don't believe, as a field archaeologist, we can use the scientific method to prove or disprove their uh, reality. We may have to content ourselves with the Indiana Jones version of the story in which a famed fictional archaeologist embarks on a wild quest and secures the missing ark, battling all the Nazis that stand in his way. Well, the, the ark... If you remember, is a symbol of salvation and one of the most intriguing ancient biblical objects. The Ark of the Covenant, the purpose-built chest that housed the Ten Commandments to keep him safe on Moses' journey back to Mount, uh, from Mount Sinai, is just one example. You might be familiar with Noah's Ark, the purpose-built boat that saved humans and animals from destruction when God flooded the world to destroy the wicked. Charged with a heroic task, Noah filled this gigantic ark with all the animals of the earth and repopulated the planet once the water, flood water receded. But there's a third ark in the Bible as well. Long before Moses climbed the mount to commune with God, his mother sent him uh, floating down a dangerous river as an infant in the ark of bulrushes to spare his life from impending harm. This last ark was a small raft constructed from river weeds. Her mission succeeded, and baby Moses survived to become a great leader. And though each of these stories does depict a different object, the idea of an ark 
carries the same symbolic weight in each case. It's a protective box holding impossible value to the human race and what world history uh, calls a vessel of salvation. And on that note, we come to the end of the day show. Tomorrow we're going to talk about some of history's most perplexing people. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.